Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, I'm taking it upon myself to rename the podcast. Didn't ask you, didn't clear it with you, but we've secured a big sponsorship. Oh, have we? We sure have. Are you ready? <laughs> I think so. What do you think of the Climate Pledge podcast? <laughs> um, I like it. We got it. Big Bezos backing us. I-, I like it because no one really knows what it means. No. But it's, but it's provocative, you know? <laughs> nice step, Brother Sharp. <laughs> What's the pledge? What are we pledging? Just that there is a climate? Or there there may not be a climate also. Um, it's vague. So people can't hold you accountable for it. All we know is we are going to be talking about it on the Climate Pledge podcast. I mean, it's better than Texas Rangers uh, wholesale storage facility. I was going to say Texas Rangers a- airplane hangar. <laughs> that'll, that'll do too. It kind of looks like how I imagine Area 51 to look like. Right. Yeah. Like, do you think that when like thousands of kids back in March or April or whatever were like, we're going to storm Area 51, like the government was like, what if we just try and divert them to the Rangers' new ballpark instead and hope they get confused? Why does it look like this? I refuse to, I refuse to engage in the internet discourse about this stadium because I thought it was stupid and it was just all kind of coming at a bad time when there was actual other baseball stuff to talk about and everyone was like, time to dunk on airplane hangar arena. Time to dunk on Boscov's. <laughs> I, what is funny to me, I think, is that it took us this long to realize that this was a thing. Like, the stadium didn't get finished yesterday. Like, it's been chilling there. And then the baseball season started and we were like, hang on a second. We haven't had time to appropriately discuss the fact that the Rangers' new ballpark that they spent millions and millions of dollars on looks like a fucking warehouse. There's two strands of snarky baseball Twitter, snarky Twitter in general. There's the there's the strand that like discovers something right away and immediately dunks on it. And when I talk about that, I'm thinking of like the Washington Nationals World Series ring. It's like first look at this new thing. Time to just make jokes about it for a week. And then there's the strand of internet discourse where something has been available via public record for like months, but nobody paid attention to it or weeks and nobody paid attention to it. And like one dude screenshots the Wikipedia page. and was like, y'all know about this? And then the internet explodes. And I actually think that I prefer that way where it's like something that's been available for a little while, like the Rangers ballpark, because it's like, how did we not see this? And I guess it does make sense because we had a lot of other stuff to worry about. (laughs) <laughs> just one or two things speaking of all of those things we are going to discuss in depth uh kind of where we've been in the last week since alex and i did a podcast last monday about um the maybe not return of baseball and then like 12 hours later it was made old news by rob manford and the owner so we're going to discuss what happened since then we're going to discuss the imposed 60 game season um and we're just going to going to kind of give our pour our feelings out to our friends the listeners about how it's going to feel to watch and cover baseball in 2020 but before we do that i'm bobby wagner i'm alex basely and you're listening to tipping pitches so about one month into the pandemic alex you and i were doing kind of old classic game rewatches games that we hadn't seen games that we might have seen but had forgotten some of the details of we were having fun with it. We weren't sure about what was going to happen with baseball in 2020. We weren't sure about what was going to happen with all sports in 2020. And it's funny because we're still kind of not sure, which is something that we should maybe discuss. But you and I had a conversation, and I basically asked you, should we have baseball in 2020? What do you, Alex Baisley, think? What are you comfortable with as someone who loves baseball, as someone who follows baseball? And your answer was no. Your answer was, I don't think we should. 
because I just think that the returns are so diminishing that it's not worth the added risk. So I ask you, two and a half months later, now knowing that we're going to get baseball, just the big question right up top, should we be doing baseball this year? I mean, okay. Let me take that. I mean, take it any way you will, right? Like, you don't have to actually answer me. I just mean, like, what what's going on here? Right. I mean, and I and maybe I'll pose a counter question to you, which is, should I go to the grocery store um, without wearing a mask and proceed to lick every single individual apple, um, and then purchase them all, and then go start handing them out to people on the street um, because they're they're free apples. And uh, and tell them that there's there's nothing wrong with it. Are you reading fine. like a Reddit thread? Like what? Who's <laughs> just coming up with this off the top of your head? <laughs> the thing is, like the the risks are kind of the same. Yes. No. Probably not. I I don't think that either of those things are a very good idea. We could do it. Sure. Rob Manfred can lick as many apples as he likes, but um. But I just <laughs> so I wanted to start with that question, and I know we're laughing because everything is so ridiculous right now. But I wanted to start with that question because it's important to set the foundation for the what the rest of what we're going to talk about is, and the foundation for that is no, we probably shouldn't be playing baseball. Now you and I don't hold any power to make any of those decisions, so guess what? We're playing baseball. Hate hate to break it to you, bro, but we're not the media moguls that we want to be. We can't just sway public opinion here. It was kind of striking to me how quickly like months of strife and like back and forth between the players and the owners was just how quickly it was resolved. Like overnight, Rob Manfred and the owners got together and they were like, we want to play a season. And then they were like, okay, let's do it. Unilateral decision (laughs) really doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Nope. We would like to play a baseball season. Here are our terms. You're going to accept it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting to view the the calculus of it all through that lens. Was was Manfred just running out the clock? Because he just trying to get it to a point where they would only have to play 60 games because that was the number that the owners had decided was a palatable, quote unquote, loss for the year. You know, because if they play more and more games, they have to pay the players more and more. So, like, on March 31st, did they just decide... Listen, Rob, 60 games is the max that we want to play this year. Just bullshit it. Just bluff. Just act like you got aces in the hole. Just act like you can sway public opinion. Just act like the pandemic is going to change and we might get fans back in the stands. Just act like this phased reopening of the United States of America is going to go over perfectly. Just pretend all of that stuff is happening. See what Adam Silver does. See what the NBA does. See how Roger Goodell trips over his own feet, all of these things. And then at the, at the end of all of it, we'll let you implement a 60-game season so that we can probably avoid losing an arbitration case over agreements. Is that really what just happened? Like, did we really fall for that? Yes, we, and, and we ate it up. Yeah. I think that's the most insulting part to my personal intelligence is that I, I believe the bluff that they were just going to be like, well, we won't play. Or I believed that they were ever going to come to an agreement with the players. But like, at what cost? You know, like, whether Manfred was bluffing or not, when, or whether they had this figured out all along, like, y- you sacrificed a lot of goodwill towards the game to, to ultimately get your way, which still kind of sucks. Like, you got your way, and still everyone is kind of like, yeah, but this is still dumb. So like, what was the point? What was the point of all of that? Ultimately. Well, I think I think their ultimate motivating factor is that throughout all of baseball history, once they start playing the games, everybody else forgets everything. <laughs> yeah, that's the and, hope. I mean, this year even more so, maybe, or it's kind of a double-edged sword. It could be even less so because with no fans, with constant conversation about the pandemic, with constant conversations about players testing positive you do kind of wonder if baseball is actually going to drown anything out for 66 days. And I kind of think, no, like people will watch it. I'm sure viewership will be up on a game by game basis. In a way, I'm sort of excited to be like, I watched every single Mets game 
all 60 games. But this also kind of feeds into what I wanted to talk about today, which is how do you reasonably expect baseball to continue ignoring the outside world? And as an extension of that, how do you expect all the people who cover and talk about and and write about the game, whether professionally or or personally, how do you expect to be able to divorce that from like everything else that's happening in the world right now? Because what baseball really wants to happen is, yes, they, they want you to forget about everything else that's going on. Pretend that this game is being played in a bubble. And remember when they actually thought it was going to be played in a bubble in Arizona and Florida? Yeah, <laughs> I do. That was fun. That that was fun, especially given the current states that are experiencing a resurgence in COVID right now. Um, There's just, there's no way you can talk about baseball in 2020 without also talking about the, the moral responsibility of the league in this situation and the political decisions that made it possible for for this to happen for us to be playing under this scenario and i have a feeling a lot of people are going to uh are going to fail at that test uh bob nightingale recently tweeted that coronavirus is throwing a no hitter so that's how we're going to talk about the 2020 baseball season i didn't even see this yeah that's so good that's so good coronavirus out here got all the pitches working (laughs) <laughs> on a Sunday afternoon game. I just, but like, that's the thing is like, my expectation is that the more we get comfortable with this as a, as our existence, the more we're going to feel okay about kind of making those sort of jokes, you know, yeah. and just kind of like slyly winking and nodding and being like, yeah, we are playing sports in a pandemic. Nudge, <laughs> nudge. <laughs> Aren't we goofy? No, you're, you're hundred percent right. I think that, so I think there's kind of three subsects of this. There's the people like you and me who talk seriously about sports all the time. We talk seriously about sports' impact on culture from a socioeconomic perspective all the time. Those people are going to be talking about this every week. You and I, just as a preview of this 60-game season, are going to be frequently reverting back to the fact that it probably shouldn't be happening. That's just a a little prologue for the listeners this year. Then there's the people who were forced to talk about the pandemic because it actually stopped the season and there was nothing to talk about. Those people's sweet spot, those people's comfort zone is talking about sports and nothing else. And they actually adjusted because they couldn't talk about sports anymore. And they started talking about socioeconomic issues. And those people are going to slowly slip back into their comfort zone, I think. And then there's the people who have been ignoring it the whole time. They're like, well, obviously pandemic is happening. You're not coming to me for pandemic news. Even though it does affect my industry, I'm going to talk about, exclusively talk about like what the Mets would have been doing on July 1st. You know, like I'm going to talk about their rotation, even though their rotation has not trotted out at all this whole year. Those are the people like, I don't even know. I don't want to. Th- I don't want to throw Francesa under the bus or anything like that. But I was listening to him talking with Ron Darling, and they're treating those types of media people whose whole bread and butter is, t- is just about sports talk, writing about sports, that whole industry. I listen to them, and they're just talking about COVID like it's like a sprained ankle, you know, or or it's like a strained lat, and. You know, it's Francesa asking Darling, well, how are the starters going to have to prepare differently for this year? And Darling's like, well, XYZ. And they're just talking about it through an only baseball lens. And I think that's how most people are going to handle it. Honestly, I think most people are going to fall into that camp because their default muscle memory is to just talk about sports and anything else that filters its way into the conversation. They just view it through only sports' lens. Especially when Major League Baseball has kind of not really given people a choice other than to talk about it through that lens, right? There was news that came out that, you know, if a baseball team is decimated by coronavirus and has to pull out, that may not stop the season. They may just be like, well, we're going to power through. I think they have to say that. I don't think they mean it. Like if game 27 
the and I, I feel I, I'm just saying random team X. I don't even want to say a team for fear of jinxing it. Random team X from the AL Central has to drop out because 21 players have tested positive for COVID. God forbid. I don't think they're going to play the other 33 games. I think they're saying that because like, if on game 58, there was an outbreak on a team that wasn't in the playoffs, they'd be like, well, maybe we can slide by. You know, legally, they have to give themselves that option. But the thing is that like dozens of players and employees across like a dozen teams already have COVID, right? So like have already tested positive. News comes out, it feels like every couple of days of like, oh, Charlie Blackman has COVID. Also, it might be like a HIPAA violation to say that publicly, but it's fine. Um, but like point being, like what is going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back? You know, like if there are a couple players on every team that have covid are do you just kind of be like well like i mean baseball instituted a and and we will kind of talk about some of the bizarre rule changes in depth later in the podcast but baseball also is instituting a separate covid injured list right and there won't be a designated amount of time that a player has to spend on it but if they have if they test positive then they go on this list and they can't return until they test negative twice twice yeah so like they know it's going to happen, right? Which, like, obviously, we all know it's going to happen. And it's kind of a risk that they're willing to take. So I'm just kind of wondering what the what the tipping point will be. Because it's not yet. Players have it, and we haven't hit it yet. So I don't think they know the tipping point. So many elements of baseball, so many things that we complain about, is that baseball is half in and half out on a lot of things. They're half in and half out on a conversation about race. They're only in when they want to talk about Jackie Robinson. They're not in when they want to talk about police brutality and their relationship to police and even like patriotism and the army and everything in general. They're half in and half out on their plan for what the hell is going to happen for this year, too. You alluded to the rule changes, whatever. I'll just spoil the wet rag conversation. Let's just have the wet rag conversation, Alex. The fact that they're showing that they're thinking about the possibility of players transmitting it to each other while on the field because they're giving them a wet rag to... What is the wet rag even for? Hold on. Read the thing about the wet rag. So pitchers can have a a wet rag in their pocket um, while they're on the mound, and they can get a new one every inning, and it is a substitute for them licking licking their fingers, right? right? So it's to give them a little bit of grip on the ball, but so that they're not just licking something that has touched, you know, a dozen people's hands right however if you're admitting that the ball might be contaminated you're already admitting defeat you and i can agree on that and take your shot if you're just a podcast listener who listens to people talk about the pandemic we're not epidemiologists that's our required notice that we have to give to listeners not epidemiologists you and me if you're admitting that players shouldn't be licking their fingers because it might give them the virus, then there's already a bigger problem since those players are going to go sit next to each other in the dugout and breathe on each other and be in the same locker room and travel on the same planes and use the same equipment. Like, they might touch the same bat. They might touch the same railing. They might be in the shower next to each other. Like, there are so many other ways for them to get it that a wet rag is not going to solve. So MLB knows that it can't just callously say we're not taking any extra precautions. But they also must know because they also must be talking to actual epidemiologists. And again, I say just not you and me, not you and me. We're not epidemiologists. That they're also aware of the fact that they're going to transmit it to each other. There's just there's no way they don't hold both of those facts in their mind. Right. I mean, which is why they're implementing all these safeguards, right? About testing and having an injured lit. Like they are prepared for this to happen. And it's just kind of a risk that they're willing to take. And again, like the biggest risk is not even posed to the players necessarily, but it's posed to the coaches and it's posed to the team employees and potentially like players' families. You know, like players will be allowed to just sit out the season, uh, especially if they um, have a family member or or someone close to them who is high risk. 
you know, they can sit out. The- and so, like, I will say, though, that that has been falsely reported. That you can sit out the season, but you won't get your service time or your money. Correct. If yes. it's for your family member, you will only get your service time and your money if you have a pre-existing condition and you're a player. Right. Yeah, exactly. So they're not even being understanding of like just your personal life, right? It's just kind of like suck it up. What an awful situ- predicament to be in if you have like a, a spouse who is at high risk for infection. You just have to be like, well, fuck it, honey. I guess you're either getting it or I'm not getting paid this year. Or I'm not seeing you for six months. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Their behavior so far and their lack of explanation for it too is a big thing. It just makes you wonder where that line is. Because, look, I know what the NBA is doing is not perfect and it's not even good, frankly. It's also not necessary. It's more understandable because they were close to finishing their season and they've come up with a different type of plan that will probably limit the spread of the virus better than what baseball is doing, better than what I think football is probably going to do. I'm I'm glad we're on a football podcast, but at least Adam Silver is out here answering these hard questions. You know, he's being asked by reporters What's going to happen if someone gets the virus? What's going to happen if LeBron gets the virus? What's going to happen if a, a team get has seven cases all in a week? He's kind of bumbling through the answers, but at least he's giving some insight into how his league is thinking. You know, he's saying stuff like, we're going to have to play with this virus eventually because we can't possibly wait until we get a vaccine because we don't know when that could be. That could be one year. That could be two years. It could be three years. It could be never. So he's like, we're going to have to learn how to play with the virus. You know, you can say, maybe we don't have to play with the virus this soon when it's still really bad out there and there's still 40,000 cases a day in the U.S. I would say that. (laughs) Maybe Adam Silver might not say that, but I would say that. Manfred's not even giving us that courtesy. He's not even going out there and answering those hard questions. He's not answering, he's not saying, we have to live with X risk. We have a plan for Y risk. He's just like, 60-game season, doing our best. You guys are never going to believe this, but wet rag, DL of no specific length for COVID. All right, let's rock. Yeah, bro, I don't, I don't even know. And that's the thing is, at the end of the day is like, I can't feel good about whatever is going to happen. And let's face it, I'm going to watch baseball this year because... This is the the sport that I, for some reason, have sworn my allegiance to, you know? And... Yeah, we're going down with the ship at this point. Absolutely. But also, like, there's a responsibility, I think, that comes with that about what role you play as a fan, as someone who engages with the sport on a regular basis, to, like, be honest with yourself about the, the cost of all of this, right? And And not pretend... Like, this is something that's just happening in a vacuum, that the rest of the world is going to drop away, you know? As we sit here and watch rates go up in the U.S., understand that this system that we're participating in, this sports industrial complex that we are sitting down and tuning in on ESPN to every day, like, that's a part of that. I think that's really important in being an active thinker and an active fan. The way that I at least kind of partially justify it is that the second I hear players saying, I refuse to play, a lot of players saying that, I refuse to play, I don't trust this, I think it's too dangerous, I don't personally feel safe going and playing right now, I'll stop watching. You know, if they're bringing in 10, 15 guys off these taxi squads, if they're pulling in minor leaguers and giving them minimum contracts for couple months just to entice them because they know that minor leaguers aren't making enough money they start to bring in you know borderline scab workers to play in this environment i'm out i'm i will protest right alongside with those players but i actually don't know if it's our place to tell the players whether they should want to play or not and and if they're saying that they do want to play i don't know that stuff is still kind of undecided we're going to see a lot of guys probably this weekend this upcoming weekend, after a couple days of spring training, maybe say, I don't want to do this anymore. Or 
even before spring training starts, because you know we're recording this on a Sunday, spring training part two, aka summer training, aka the lead up to implementation day, is coming on Wednesday. So maybe a lot of players just won't show up by Wednesday, and we'll find out about that over the coming days. And that could completely change the calculus of this conversation that you and I are having. But until that happens, look, I'm like you. I will watch it. I will feel queasy about it probably the whole time. And I'm sure the players are feeling queasy about it themselves. But it's maybe not It's maybe not my decision to make until then. But I would also say that it's not limited to the players either, right? Like the Rangers asked their employees to come back to work. And it yeah. wasn't mandatory. And within a couple weeks like a handful of them had tested positive for COVID, right? And so like, I think beyond the the 30 players that we see on the field at, at any given time, there are a whole host of people behind the scenes who maybe don't have that voice or that choice to say, hey, I'm going to sit out the season, right? Where it's like, look, Bob, in accounting, if you're worried about this, like quit, you know, you can go home, but... Otherwise, and and I'm not going to project words onto Texas Rangers, Bob and accounting or, or anyone else, but what about Bob and architectural design who drew up that stadium? Right. That's, I have some words for him. That's for sure. (laughs) But the thing is if, if sports teams operate like any other business that is trying to do, yes, exactly. Which is trying to restart during this time. Like I think a lot of people are not going to have much of a choice, you know? And it is shitty that their livelihood, really, and their health and well-being is dependent not only on a handful of owners at the top, but a few very public-facing sports players, right? Who do make hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars a year, right? And so when they feel like the ones that they're affected, right? Like it's all, all this stuff is very layered. There's no proper way to talk about this or feel or feel good about it, but um, but we're gonna try, I guess. I know that's a. I mean, that's a really good point. Is that all the people who don't have that ability or that freedom or that comfort to opt out? Although, what is the what is the point of having anybody who works for a team there in person right, right now? Exactly. Other well, than yes. like the grounds crew, which. I'm sure that you could give them the same precautions and the same level of confidence and safety that you're giving the players. And you could just have limited amounts of grounds crew there at the same time or whatever. Yeah, you're right. Bob and accounting should be working from home. You know, as a matter of fact, the Texas Rangers should have bought Bob and accounting, a new laptop, second monitor expensed his desk and his chair and given him like a stipend for food as he works from home. And if they're not doing that, you know, I haven't heard that story, but we should destroy them for that because it's so easy to do that. Like you only have X amount, thousand of employees working for you and you're a company, part of an industry that's worth billions and billions and billions of dollars. You can take care of your employees. You Wait, can. but I, th- I thought they were losing money off of this. I thought baseball teams were going to lose money off of the season and that no billionaire has ever made money from a baseball team. I will take back every single word against owners that I've ever said on this podcast. If an owner will show me how he lost money, show me the number that he lost, show me the books at the end of the year, I'll take back every word. Every single word. Owners, his uh, his Twitter handle is at BWAGS. You can uh, you can just DM, DM it to him if you'd like. That's probably the best way to reach him. If you want um, something more secure, we can talk on Signal. <laughs> You know, you can tweet it yourself and just tag me in the photo. I'm available to be tagged in photos. I haven't shut that feature <laughs> off. You know, because like I don't, I don't believe that anybody is going to personally lose any money from this year, other than like furloughed employees, which is how all industries in American capitalism work. But I just believe that they might not make more money. You know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. That's the thing. Like Jerry like Reinsdorf. Think- Furlough yourself, buddy. Like, you don't need to cash those checks. If you think that the bank is not extending their loan for the New York Yankees, I don't know what to tell you, bro. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. Sorry. 
Won't someone think of the Steinbrenners, Bobby? Won't anyone here think about them and what they're going through right now? I've been thinking about the Steinbrenners a lot. Because I've been thinking that they might have to get used to some new ownership groups in New York. Isn't it so messed up that during all of this, the Wilpons are finally like, time to go, time to sell? It could have, they couldn't have just decided this in a normal year. They had to decide this. Well, there's all these other moral complexities, all of these other financial complexities, all of these other existential complexities about the future of baseball going on. They were like, no, no, no. We've decided for certain we want to sell now. The brand is strong with them, honestly. Just it's like dysfunction is not a is not a bug, it's a feature. It is the feature of the of the will pods. Respect that they're like trying to slip out the back tour when like no one's paying attention. Major League Baseball's like, we're gonna play baseball in a pandemic. And the Will Pons were like, also, we're out of here, guys. <laughs> See, doing an Irish exit for their baseball team. Literally an Irish exit. That's so good. <laughs> the fact that we're spending any time and the fact that a lot of media is spending any time publicly vetting different billionaire ownership groups to then buy into a quote-unquote dying ecosystem of baseball is so ridiculous. It also just kind of exposes the fact that even through all of this, several groups of billionaires are lining up to buy the New York Mets. The most, One of the most dysfunctional franchises, one of the most maligned franchises in baseball. During the year that you're going to lose the most money in the history of baseball, as we face an existential threat to the future of the game. I wonder why. I wonder what Cardinals owner Bill DeWitt has to say about that. Can we get him on the record? Get him on the pod? Should I shoot him the Zoom link? <laughs> if, if any owner would like to come on to our show and just chat with us about their thought process, you have an open invite. I promise we'll be nice. We I would be, love... We would, I would be fair. I would welcome any owner to come on and just lambaste us for an hour. That would be a great podcast. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Tell us tell us how we need to pull ourselves up by, by our bootstraps. And if we try hard enough, we can buy an MLB team too. I, I, I would bathe in that. I want to hear about how we're wrong. Yeah. This echo chamber needs to be disrupted. That's true. <laughs> Okay, Alex, should we talk about the rule changes? Let's talk about some wacky rule changes. Okay, let's hear them. So we already we talked about the wet rag. Not even really much of a rule change, more of a more of an equipment addition. Right. We we talked about the the wet rag. You're having and, a tough time saying that. <laughs> we we talked about the wet rag and its implications for COVID, but we also didn't really discuss just like the weirdness of that rule. And what is going to go into the maintenance of the of the wet rag? What's going to be like, is there a size of the wet rag? Is there going to be a team employee specifically designated to, um, to make sure that the wet rag is not too wet? Or is wet enough? Are pitchers' pants going to be sopping wet during the baseball game? This opens up a lot of room for cheating, I gotta say. Absolutely. Oh, a million times over. We're coming off the one of the biggest cheating scandals in the history of baseball, which we haven't talked about in months. And now they're providing a wet rag to pitchers, knowing that substances on pitchers' fingers have been the subject of other types of cheating in the history of baseball. This was straight up the first thing that came to my mind when I heard about this, is why are teams not just going to put something else besides water on there? Like, is the umpire going to come over and check the wet rag at the beginning of every single inning? Is that also then going to defeat the purpose about it being the pitcher's wet rag? You know, like... I I know. When Sean Gilmartin starts coming out throwing a 94-mile-an-hour sinker that looks like it's going to be middle in and then bounces on the plate right at the last second, I'm going to be like, is the rag just wet, Sean Gilmartin? Are you sure it doesn't have anything else on it? No pine tar? Nothing? Yeah, no, like... you, You know, like, pitchers put, like, the the like sunscreen mix on their arm, like why not hat or on their hat? Like, yeah. Pitchers have had to hide the places where they put the substance for a while on the back of their head. And now MLB is like, actually you could just put it in your back pocket. If it makes it easier for you, who's vetting the wet rag, (laughs) who's wetting it and who's vetting it. 
Are pitchers just going to their butts the whole time? Is that going to be a little weird? Yeah, because there are a lot. I mean, there are dudes that lick their fingers between every pitch. Right, or, exactly. Or more than once between every pitch. Also, I feel like at this point, it's more muscle memory than anything else. You know, like you can't just you can't just tell people like us, stop doing pods because we don't know how to do that. We just keep stop, cranking them stop out. Stop talking with my hands during podcasts. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. I feel like there is going to be cranking them out. (laughs) Is there a penalty if a pitcher licks his fingers? So there is a penalty for spitting. So I would have to think, and it's like a suspension. Like you will be suspended (laughs) or fined for spitting. So can they can't chew sunflower seeds either? Then I just that's a whole wrinkle I didn't even think about. Did we just break news? No sunflower (laughs) seeds, twenty twenty. I think that I actually might have been better at baseball if I wasn't allowed to choose sunflower seeds. Like, I think it was a distraction for me. It is a bit of a distraction. Yeah. Like, one time I was one time I was chewing gum. Actually, one time my whole Little League team, this is a fun story. And, it, and it'll, I'll relate it back to the wet rag. Don't worry. One time we went, we went to a travel tournament with my Little League team. And some kid showed up to the tournament. It was our first game of the tournament. We had high hopes. We wanted to make it further than we did in the last year because we got eliminated very early on the previous year. And some kid showed up and his parents had bought him like this big bag of gum with a bunch of different flavors. We were all pumped about it. We were like, oh, gum, we're going to look so cool. I don't think it was actually Big League Chew, although it might have been. Who knows? But we were pumped because we were like, oh, we're going to look like big leaguers with a big pack of gum in our mouth while we go out for the first inning. We're going to really intimidate this team. We're going to look cool. And we go out there and I'm pitching. And I'm throwing terrible. But I'm still chewing this gum. I'm still looking cool. Everybody has the gum. We make like three or four errors. We give up three or four runs in the first inning. We come back in and our coach is like, everybody spit out this gum right here before you get in the dugout. So there's just a big pile of chewed gum right outside our dugout. Our first game of the tournament, we get waxed. And we were not. there's a no gum rule after that. So I actually think maybe players might get better if they can't chew seeds. That's where I landed on this. Wow. That's we re- we really came full circle. So maybe this is a, a good thing for the sport. That's the thing is like these expectations that baseball players are just going to follow these rules that have been or that have not existed for decades, that they're just gonna be able to kind of break these routines. I'm like, do you know how disgusting baseball players are? It's gross. Any sports team, have you been in any locker room? Do you know just like how many surfaces these players share? Yeah. I was trying to think back to like, have I become more of a germaphobe or have I just learned more as the world around me changes? You know? Yes, exactly. But like, what's really the difference? Yeah. Like when the MTA was like, we're going to start cleaning the subways. And I was like, wait, hang on a second. (laughs) You weren't cleaning the subways? Will you ever sit on a seat again? Because my answer is yes, absolutely. If a seat is open, I'm still sitting there. I don't give a fuck. Oh, yeah. I mean, probably. So the wet rag is a is a can of worms. And maybe we'll have to do a, a separate pod specifically on that and all the implications for it down the road. Um, but there were some... Perhaps we can invite wet rag enthusiast Lindsay Zolads on the podcast. <laughs> there you go. Open Former invite. colleague of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, come on the podcast to talk about the wet rag. Other rule changes. There's a good one in here. We'll start off with that. We got a universal DH, baby. <sighs> Alex. And I said this last week in passing, but I we know. had we had more important things to talk about. I know. That was the future and the past and the present of labor relations in Major League Baseball. But I'm not as mad about the universal DH as I am about the fact that I lost the DH argument to you by default because of a pandemic. (laughs) That feels like overkill. You know, (laughs) it's like it wasn't just that we had a conversation. We decided this was better for baseball. It was like. Millions of people are dying. Let's try a new rule. It just doesn't feel right to me. It doesn't feel it's ridiculous. I mean, that's the thing is like. Major League Baseball is just kind of implementing all these things that they wanted to try, that they're forcing through because what? 
Why? Because it's a 60 game season and nothing matters? Sure. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) If you want to make your season feel more legitimate, you should have left it as as similar as it was, as similar as possible to last season. You shouldn't have went and changed all more stuff because now the people who were like, well, it might be an asterisk because of 60 games are like, it's definitely an asterisk because of 60 games and because of all these weird rule changes. I don't follow the logic between. And I guess the logic is maybe just weird 60-game season. We're throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. But I don't follow the logic between pandemic and rule changes. Like, there's a missing step in the middle to me. I guess it's just like a power vacuum. And Manfred was like, time to change some shit that I've always wanted to change. I mean, yes, that's absolutely what it is. This is Rob Manfred's, like, Patriot Act. Um Oh my god. Put that on a t-shirt. Universal <laughs> DH is Rob Manfred's Patriot Act. That would sell like fucking high cakes. We should make that. Absolutely. That's that's next after our Unionize the Miners t-shirts. Really tough beat for out. you as the pro DH person on this podcast. You just compared it to the Patriot Act. I didn't even come <laughs> up with that. Holy shit. Thanks for making my argument for me. We can just move on to the next rule. That's not what listeners need. They don't need another universal DH argument. So yeah, we should move on to the next. Yeah, level. exactly. Um, no, I, I I joke about the last one, but this is the real one that is the real head scratcher, and that is that. That's um, lately. <laughs> that's that. Uh, extra innings are going to start with a runner on second base, mm-hmm. which is um, bonkers to put it lightly, mm-hmm. and I really don't understand the point bobby can you uh i'm gonna tap you in so you can explain the rationale because i think i might uh pull my hair out if i try i'm gonna explain it by pitching another rule change okay what if to limit the contact and spread of the virus we just do ghost runners you know just ghost runners like kickball in elementary school yeah and we just kind of talk it out on whether we think the ghost runner would have beat that play at home i like that yeah yeah, absolutely. It's like, and then the NFL comes back, you know, to limit the amount of players that are on the team. We just do like a steady quarterback. You know, yeah. Mahomes plays quarterback for the Chiefs and for the Chargers. Right. Also, instead of getting close to players and having to tag them, pegs are allowed too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we made the ball softer this year for that reason too. Right. Yeah. We don't want any injuries. Player safety, very important. <laughs> Dude, um, the, the runner on second thing. We joke, but hold on. Let me put my let me put my sports radio WBOK hat on. This is a fucking shame to baseball. This is ridiculous. This makes me <laughs> so mad and so embarrassed. It is completely missing. It shows a complete and fun. I know this seems like an overstatement, but it shows a complete and fundamental lack of understanding as to why your sport might not be popular with young people. It just misses the mark on every respect. You know why your sport's not popular with young people? Because it's really expensive and hard to watch. And um, you stamp out all fun in all respects of the game. (laughs) You suspend Tim Anderson after he says the N-word, even though he's the only black person on the field. You let pitchers bean hitters for bat flips because their manhood was offended. You force young players to make less money than they're worth early on in their career, and then they force their way out with a trade because they're not going to resign with you. All Play of these the hits, things, baby. <laughs> all of these things are why your sport is not popular with young people. Not because an extra inning game takes thirty extra minutes. That's not it. You're not going to solve it. Also, how many t- like how many games go fifteen innings? What is this solving for? If someone is already watching a baseball game in the ninth inning, are they like, nah, now's my time to kind of tune out? Any rule change that you impose, you got to tell me first what you're solving for. Because if it's average game time, you're not, you're not solving for this. Just use the median, dude. Just leave out the... If you want to know what is the, whether the game time is going up, whether the game time is going down... These outliers, these 18-inning games that get really weird and for the are for the true baseball heads, they're not the thing that you need to solve if you think the game's biggest problem is length of game. 
That's that's it. WBOK hat off. Your turn. <laughs> I'm tagging you back. WBOK. <laughs> um, I in turn am going to tag in um Hannah Kaiser, who wrote about this more succinctly and uh, thoughtfully than I think I I could. Well, if um, I knew you were just going to read something smart written by Hannah Kaiser, I wouldn't have done that whole rant. <laughs> I would have just let you go. Yours was good too. Um, yes, all, all of that, all of that above. I mean, you know, there are so many more problems to to baseball than just like the length of games, which happen really rarely as it is. But yeah, Rob Manfred, go off king. Uh, Hannah writes, this is back in Deadspin, RIP from a few years ago when this idea was first being talked about. Wow. Pre-Yahoo. <laughs> yeah, pre-Yahoo days. Um, she writes, there's another issue here, which is that starting extra innings of the runner on second is a solution to the wrong problem. We can all agree that baseball games are often too long, but that's an issue that is derived from the pace at which the game is played, not the design of the game itself. Increased micromanagerial decisions, replays, specialty relievers, and batters and pitchers taken in eternity between pitches all contribute to a lot of mid-game inaction. Rule changes designed to speed things up, the pitch clock is also currently getting the minor leagues off lunch, are sensible, but lopping off the back end of what is necessarily a close game won't bring in any new viewers, and messing with the fundamental structure of an inning will alienate traditionalists who, for once, have a point. If I can drop the mic, Hannah. Hannah, yes. We should just called her up for that. Yeah, honestly. Hannah, can you read your own column from three years ago? <laughs> She's absolutely right. And the last thing I'll say on this is that Rob Manfred is like the healthcare technocrat coming with a solution via changing one small thing and thinking that it's going to fix the whole problem as opposed to just being like Medicare for all. So what we're saying is Rob Manfred... What we're saying via, is via runner, these two rules. <laughs> runner on second is the public option of baseball rule changes, bro. Rob Manfred is both George Bush and Barack Obama at the same time. Is is what we're the the logical endpoint of those two. Exactly right. Is there anything else? Are there any other rule changes we need to talk about? Those are the the main ones. There are a few others. Um, no limits on position players pitching. As they, you know, instituted last year, then just scrapped it. I'm sh- sure. Um, and there is a, still a three batter minimum for for pitchers. Thoughts on either of those? Three batter minimum. I do have a, one small thought, and that is, it actually did come at an opportune time. You know, you and I disagreed with the implementation of the three batter minimum. We just thought it was unnecessary to keep tweaking like that. Um. Again, we thought it was a small fix to a larger problem and not actually correcting the thing that it, they thought it was correcting. But now that we have an unlimited amount of unlimited amount of pitchers on larger rosters, I actually do think that there might be too many pitching changes. <laughs> so the three batter minimum thing to me actually is preliminarily correcting for a problem that might have arisen only in 2020. That's not me changing my take. If this was a normal baseball season, I still think that the three batter minimum would not be necessary. But with this many pitchers on the roster, having a three batter minimum is maybe a good thing. So that when the Mets play the Phillies, I don't have to watch Joe Girardi use 18 pitchers. Right. And and that goes to the the last real adjustment to this season, which is the structure of rosters, which it might take an encyclopedia to figure out kind of how this how this works. Uh, we tried to parse it out before the, the podcast, but um, spring training starts in a few days. Also known as summer training. Also known as summer training. Also known as spring training 2.0. Um, 60 players are going to be invited to summer training. Of those 60, 30 will make it to the regular season roster. It's a 30-man roster this year. You will still have the the forty man roster in place, so an extra ten players who can come up to the team at any point. And also, and, they keep the forty man roster for like Rule Five purposes, right, heading into yes. next year. Yeah, exactly. And then you have these twenty man taxi squads. So basically, players basically just like alternates who aren't on the forty man 
And none of the normal service time rules are applied to them or anything like that. But they just kind of, <laughs> they're, they're basically just like de facto minor league teams because there are no minor leagues this year, which is just like another really strange thing to exist. Like that's not even a can of worms we can really go into right now. Um, but yeah, these will just be prospects who play in the major leagues and there's no service time added to them and they won't lose prospect status ostensibly and none of the normal rules apply to them. So have you, have you got all that, Bobby? Can we keep this straight for the next three months? I think so. I think basically the taxi squad is just formalizing the process of front offices, identifying which guys might get called up because there's no minor league season. So you can't just, I mean, you could, but MLB teams don't want to open it up to the fact that every minor leaguer could get called up at any point for any reason um, because they don't want minor leaguers to get paid more money and they don't want them to get service time and then thus reach arbitration faster. Um, so that's basically what the taxi squad is. It's right. weird. Well, it's weird that they're just available to be called up and they're just chilling, training, like ready to rock, but not receiving service time or major league level compensation. Yeah, that that's the weird thing to me is that major league teams basically get to call up prospects and see if they're actually ready without um without any of the ramifications that calling up a prospect usually has for a team and their financial situation. Like so wait can, so can you can you actually explain that to me? Because I have a question. I'm sure the listener have the listeners have questions too. So they get no service time at all, even if they get called up? That can't be right. So they will accrue service time days when they get called up. Um, but my understanding is that they won't while they sit on this uh, on this roster, while they are you know practicing at a facility. You will have each team will have twenty something guys at a facility, just like staying warm in case anything happens. And just, just playing a lot of simulated games. Just you just taking a lot of BP because, as we all know, that's the exact same. Um, it's a little as, whistle ball Wednesday, you know. <laughs> yes. Take a day off from baseball. We hit up the auxiliary gym. Just play a little whiffle ball. <laughs> and they don't have to be on the 40-man roster. This is just kind of like a weird a way around that sort of thing. Um, so basically, it's just a minor league team. MLB, after making a big stink about wanting to get rid of like half their minor league teams, was like, actually, but can we have some? Can we have a little, please? Minor thanks league for, teams that don't play games. This is like built in a Houston Astros lab. This is their dream. <laughs> do, you, do you remember like six months ago? I mean, I don't really remember six months ago either. But um, we talked about that 538 article that was when they were talking about contracting the major league teams. Or when they were talking about contracting the minor leagues. Yeah, and which that, they're still doing, by the which way. They, oh, they are still doing. They're that just got, 40 talk teams. about getting buried under a shitstorm of news. That got buried. Yeah. But like this is the the kind of weird conclusion of that, which is players who are just chilling and ready to go, but are not playing actual baseball. I'm sure That's they're gonna hate because this. you could, yeah. Like they'll probably talk in the media about how thankful they are for the opportunity to maybe get called up at some point. I'm sure a lot of them will get called up. Unfortunately, that will be because the person above them contracts a very deadly virus. Virus, but. You know, it, it's a real, I think, an unexplored aspect of this so far. And I've saw some people talking about this, but some of the top prospects in baseball might make their major league debut because the person above them is really sick. And that's really morbid. Like Jared Kellenick might play this year because XY, or he might get called up to the majors this year because XYZ Mariner contracted COVID and had to sit out for three weeks. That's really fucked up, dude. Come on. Yeah. And this again goes back to the unease of talking about baseball in 2020, which is like, you know, who, which team is going to be most affected by COVID? How, oh, Tim Beckham just got COVID and he's on my fantasy team. Shit. I guess I got to drop him now. You know, like all these kind of the weird, injury bug takes on a it, new meaning here. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Seriously. 
Yeah, when the, when the like, Mariners dropped that Instagram post congratulating Jared Kelenic for getting called up, I'm, I imagine a lot of the comments are going to be like, fuck you guys. <laughs> I imagine, honestly, most of their comments are probably fuck you guys anyway. These days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows, man? I This all feels like you're just trying to kind of twist yourself into, into a pretzel to make a season happen that ultimately is probably going to get cut short anyway. So... I don't know. At least they're being dishonest about it. All that being said, are the A's going to win the World Series? Time to close on predictions. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Alex, as we as we press on through spring training 2.0. You and I will do a little bit more of a hardcore of a preparation for the actual baseball that's going to be played. Um, and like we talked about in this episode, like it's going it's to be a really hard thing to do. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to require a lot of attention and it's going to require a lot of care and thoughtfulness in talking about how this season is going to play out. But it, it'll feel weird, but I imagine a lot of people listening to this podcast will end up watching baseball like you and I. So as we go forward, we will talk about the 60 games, what it means, how it'll feel to watch it and whatnot. But we want to take this episode to kind of take a beat, take a pause, think about how baseball is making itself appear in the world. Any lasting thoughts that you want to leave any of the listeners with heading into next week? Spring trading 2.0 starting in two days from when people are listening to this. Um, I guess get used to seeing pitchers tapping their butt a lot. Um, I suppose there's probably a sect of baseball Twitter that might be a little excited for that. And I, uh, I, I suppose I can't blame you. Um, yeah, I, I sympathize with those people. Last thing I'll say before we get out of here. Our man doesn't have a team yet. I know. Yasiel Puig is not on a roster yet. We've gone through all of this. It's been months and months and months. And obviously teams were not allowed to sign people during the, the pause on the baseball season. So, imagine he probably knows where he's going hasn't been announced yet heavily rumored to the san francisco giants (laughs) wait hold on do you remember who we're supposed to be rooting for this year who our adopted teams are we did that we did draft that (laughs) we did draft that i think mine's the rays yours is the rays yeah do you remember mine (laughs) it's the reds yes yeah it is the reds great wish puig was still staying on the reds um it's it's a bad it's a bad thing decidedly bad thing that he's going to be on the Giants right bad for I, I mean people who like to watch fun baseball <laughs> yeah I think so although it's probably a good thing that Madison Bumgarner then is no longer on the Giants it's really funny that we get to watch Puig versus Bumgarner but they're both wearing different jerseys now and but they're still in the NL West yeah absolutely it'd be really funny if they switched roles and like. Bumgarner starts to pimp home runs or strikeouts and Puig starts to get mad at him for doing that just because Puig goes to the Giants. Well, unfortunately, Bobby, I don't think you're going to see Madison Bumgarner pimping any home runs or or even hitting any home runs uh, anymore because um, he won't get the opportunity, much to, uh, much to your chagrin. I don't know if you heard, but there's a universal DH. The most streamlined argument to get me to agree to the universal DH was it takes away the possibility of people talking about how Madison Bumgarner is a better hitter than position players, which is just (laughs) ridiculous and not true. It's like, yeah, you know why he hit some home runs? Because he's strong and used to be a hitter at one point in his life, and pitchers were trying to throw down the middle and get outs in limited number of pitches against him. That's why. Yeah. Baseball fans love to talk about small sample sizes until it comes to a pitcher who gets like 30 at-bats a year. Yeah. Baseball fans are idiots. You think that Jacob DeGrom (laughs) couldn't strike out Madison Bumgarner if the season was on the line? Come on. Come on. Come on. on. Okay, that's all we have for this week. Thank you for listening. Uh, If you feel so inclined, please leave a rating or review on iTunes um, or wherever you listen to podcasts and, and review them. Uh, pass along to a fellow baseball fan or someone who might be getting into baseball now that it's going to be one of the few sports coming back in these very strange times. Um, or try to force someone to get into baseball. You know, pass that pass that habit along to your friends. Jump on this sinking ship, baby. Good time to get on board. <laughs> get in on the ground floor. 
Uh, we appreciate it. We'll be back talking to you next week. Spring training presents summer training. <laughs> 60 players are invited. Colon. <laughs> the lead up to implementation day. <laughs> to, to spring, to training. <laughs> yeah.